0: So today we're finishing up Proverbs. Together, and if you've missed some of the messages, you can always go back and listen to the podcast, but together we have looked at Proverbs' description of wisdom as a choice, the way of wisdom versus the way of folly. We've explored certain teachings from the book on, on themes, like choosing work over sloth, good friends over bad friends. we focused on how we speak, how we use our words listening to the wisdom of others living in contentment rather than envy and then last week pastor simon spoke about living with hands open in generosity we've heard the word of lady wisdom herself call to us and we've remembered that the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and today we are at the end of the book proverbs 31 The last part of this book is a little bit like a postscript. In fact, the mother, for the first time, addresses the son. So let us hear what the mother has to say. I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word.
1: Proverbs 31, verse 1, and verses 10 through 31. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. A woman of valor, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from far away. She rises while it is still night, and provides food for her household and a portion for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid for her household when it snows, for all her household are clothed in crimson. She makes herself coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the city gates, taking his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them She supplies the merchant with sashes. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her happy. Her husband, too, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her a share in the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the city gates. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to to God.
0: God. You can go ahead and be seated. So, some of you might be wondering, like, when is she going to take the offering? I forgot about that. So, we'll do that in the last hymn. Remind me, Charles. Okay. So, Proverbs 31 is a classic passage that's often read in Jewish and Christian circles. In the traditional Jewish Sabbath service, so every Friday night, a Jewish husband will bless his wife with this passage, or at least part of it. And if you wondered, the Jewish wife will bless her husband with Psalm 45. You can check that out later. Now, so for some of us raised in certain evangelical Christian circles, there's a lot of talk about this passage. In fact, the phrase P31 woman is kind of banded about. Anybody heard of that P31, Proverbs 31 woman? Okay, maybe I'm the only one. I do remember when my sister was married at a a church um, in the women's bathroom where the bridesmaids were getting ready, the whole, one whole wall was painted with this chapter, right? Now, for others, this might be a new passage, and you might think, this is, this is weird. What do I do with this? It is definitely unique. So I want to begin simply by looking at the text together, looking at how this woman is described. We begin in verse 10, who can find a wife of valor? That's my translation, your Bible. I hope you have it open if you have it with you. But it might say, who can find a a wife? Wife and woman are synonymous in Hebrew. So who can find a, a woman of noble character? Or it might say virtuous or capable or excellent. But literally this word has to do with strength or force. It's a military word. I'll talk about that more in a minute. Sort of like the mother is saying, who can find a mighty woman? And it's really a challenge to the son. Son, can you find a mighty woman? Can you? And to the girls listening, it's a challenge too. You want somebody to be like, be like her. And this is how the mother describes her. First of all, this woman, and I hope you notice this, she is an amazing worker, which is really appropriate for Labor Day weekend, right? She works with willing hands. Well, what kind of work does she do? Well, I'll tell you, she's such a good worker, she diversifies. She's into several things. First of all, she's in the textile industry. She looks for the best wool and flax, and then she spins it into thread. It doesn't say she weaves it, but either she or someone else weaves it, but then she gets it back, and she sews garments out of it. Really nice ones for herself and her whole family, and then the rest she sells on Etsy. So that's the first thing, textile industry. Second, she's into real estate. She considers a field and buys it. What does she do with this field? Well, with the fruit of her hand, which means money, like with her money, she invests in planting a vineyard. So she is in the boutique winery business. So three ways she works, textile industry, real estate, winery. Um, and, And you can see for her, this theme of hard work, which is a huge theme in Proverbs, is reflected in the life of this woman she is a hard worker it mentions hands six times in this passage sometimes it has to do with generosity but it really focuses on her hands as through which she works you can i think it's because often we can tell people who work with their hands by how their hands look right her hands are hard-working and she does not eat the bread of idleness second This woman is strong. We read, she girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. So what does it mean to gird yourself with strength? Well, it means you have a robe on. This is girding. And you take the back part and pull it up and tuck it into your robe so you kind of make like instant trousers. And so she can move around without any worry, right? So she girds herself but with strength and she makes her arms strong. This is not a woman wearing a pencil skirt and three-inch heels because those are hard to work in. She is ready to go. I mentioned the word used to describe her, valorous woman. It's interesting. this, This adjective valorous is used other times in scripture, but mostly to describe men. We read about men of valor as a descriptor of Joshua's army and Gideon often this phrase is used right before someone is called into a situation in which courage is required it's a military word that's the o- not the only one in verse 11 we read the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain this lack of gain gain is another military word it means plunder right it means she is such a hard worker she brings so much into the household, it's like she went out and plundered it. Even though she didn't, she she got it honestly, right? So this woman's work and strength lead to ac- access material in the family. Her valor leads to honest plunder because of what she wins through her work and strength. So she's hardworking and she's strong. Third, and I'll confess this is kind of a catch-all, she has what we would describe as a good character and a great personality that benefits others, including her family and community. See the catch-all? So just listen to this. She, she's trustworthy. Her husband trusts in her. She's kind and generous to the needy. She doesn't worry about the future, both the weather, because her family's clothed well, and personally, it says she, she laughs at the time to come, right? The days to come. She's learned from the other book of Proverbs, it seems, because her words and her speech is wise and kind. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. This is just a big overview. But doesn't she sound like a great person? I mean, a strong, hardworking woman, a successful businesswoman and philanthropist who is loved by her husband and children. And she has this sense of humor and kindness toward the needy. I mean, no wonder this is world's most famous Mother's Day text. It is. right? Proverbs 31, Mother's Day, they always go together. But it's Labor Day. Anyway, I'll, I'll be honest. The truth is, sometimes, for some people, this poem can be a little tough to swallow. For instance, her lamp does not go out at night. She doesn't sleep. Are you telling me that... To be a woman of valor, I should stay up all night? That goes against all advice and experience we have received. I like to sleep. So I'll I'll tell you, this is sort of an idiom that really means there is so much oil in the lamp, she doesn't have to turn it off. She has enough money to leave the lights on. That's what it's saying, right? It's a statement of financial solvency. Another thing that's sometimes challenging is that it can look like the woman is doing all the work while her husband hangs out with his friends at the city gate. Verse 23, her husband is respected at the city gates where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. Yeah, and you can be like, yeah, you do that, mister, while your wife is at home with the the distaff and spindle. But I really think here, and we have to think that most of Proverbs is addressed toward the son, right? And that has a lot to do with work. Here, the husband is also working. The husband and the wife are both hard workers. The husband is serving as a leader in the community. He's making wise decisions, and he's giving counsel. And he probably couldn't do this so well if he didn't have such a valorous wife at home. He really needs her. And then my dad, I've had several conversations with him about this, and he's taught on this passage a lot. And he always points out that it's not that this woman does all these things every day. This, This could be a lifetime of work. So don't let trouble with this text weigh you down. We can learn from her work ethic. We can learn from her character, and we can apply that to all of our lives. But maybe you're thinking, why do we need this poem? I mean, can't we have that Jesus connection in Proverbs, like we saw in the film, without this text? Can't we just read about Jesus and follow him? Yes, we can Well, why do we need this picture of a valorous woman? Well, here's a suggestion I have, and this is important today. I think we need this description. We need this biblical image of a valorous woman because we are surrounded by so many images of women in our culture. Images our students see. Our children see our sons and daughters or our grandsons and granddaughters see images that form certain desires to look a certain way physically or or be famous or have all the eyes turned to be on us. Images like this and this and this and this and this. And these were the appropriate ones, right? Like, even if you're not looking for this, it's there, and we're surrounded by them. It's there. It's there on Instagram. It's there on TikTok. It's there on film. It's it's there on billboards, and we see these images of women who are idolized to look a certain way, and even though technology has proliferated this in our culture, you go to a, a museum, and you also see idolized women from other cultures. We just have more access now. Right, and there has, there is pushback sometimes, right? We think about hippie women in the 60s who who were like no makeup and threw out their razors and we can think about some ad-led campaigns toward body acceptance, but really, really the truth is our culture values beauty over character. It values beauty over hard work, over strength. And then there's this emphasis on self, this emphasis on self-promotion, on platform and opinion. And these things, my friend, these things do not lead to life. Focusing on how others see and appreciate your beauty leads to anxiety and depression. And we really see this in the spike in anxiety and depression in teenagers since the iPhone released in 2007. Curious about that, you can come and talk to me, I can give you resources about it. We've done a national experiment with images and we've seen the results. I think part of this might be that human beings are created to assess beauty very quickly. You can look for a portion of a second and decide. But character, character is much harder to to assess. It, It takes longer than a 30 second video, but somehow, We keep on believing that beauty, whether we want to have it ourselves or possess it in another, is a priority. And we demonstrate this, even if it's not with our words. It's with the amount of time and money we spend on being beautiful. Because beauty is a high, high value in our culture. Cultural critic and pastor Mark Sayers, he's Australian, he tells a story about watching a reality makeover show. And in in this one... The the woman they chose to give these makeovers to uh, had a really sad story. She'd struggled for years with infertility. And then when she finally did start conceiving babies, she had several miscarriages. And then then one day when she did have a baby, carry it to term, deliver it, the baby died within the first year of life. It's a really tragic story. But she won this makeover show, and she was given uh, new wardrobes. They remodeled her house. They remodeled her garden. She got gourmet cooking lessons, which she'd always wanted. She got an expense paid vacation to Europe. But Sayers commented, the show ended in an almost awkward fashion as it became apparent that the world of makeovers could never heal this woman's grief. Her problems were internal, not external. And our culture had no solution for her pain. We no longer value the person who is kind, caring, honest, or patient. Sure, we may offer these qualities, lip service, but the reality is that our culture worships how we look on the outside. Our character runs second to our exterior. The common belief is that if we can change our outsides, we will change our insides. But That's not true. And scripture offers an alternative image here to what we're surrounded by. Think about what we heard when Miriam read this passage, right? There was nothing in the text about how this woman looks. We know how she's dressed because it it tells us about how awesome she is with textiles. But we don't know how tall she is, how much she weighs, the color of her eyes, the length of her hair. We don't know. Not because it's not important, but because it is less important than her character. But when the husband looks at the wife at the end... He values her as a whole person, her actions, her strength, her character, and the poem ends. Charm is deceitful. Lady Folly was beautiful, right? And beauty is vain. Charm here has to do with the first impression, you can learn how to be charming, you can go to charm school, I think. Elegance, the way one carries themselves, and and beauty, we know what that is. Now I I do want to be clear. God made our bodies, our bodies matter, they matter. But the truth is beauty does fade because of death, because death is is still winning right now. But what's on the inside, our character, it lasts and it lasts and it lasts and character outpaces beauty each time and this is good news, this is good news. So I did wonder though, as I was working on this, I thought, well, what if we did have a picture of a Proverbs 31 woman. What would she look like? I don't know, but I think she'd look a little bit like this. <laughs> you familiar with this picture, 1943? This is the real Rosie the Riveter, folks, okay? So this is the story. Um, Norman Rockwell painted this. It was on the cover of the Saturday Evening Post. Uh, she. there was a the 19-year-old model working as a riveter on a shipyard for World War II. And and this woman, she works with her hands, right? and. And she is strong, and we can see based on the composition of this picture that she is working for the good of the community, not for herself, and please note what her foot is over. Her foot is crushing down Hitler's uh, anti-Semitic autobiography, Mein Kampf, and then she has that sandwich too. It must be her break. Anyway, talk about girding herself with strength and making her arms strong. And obviously this is not a portrait of beauty, but it is of character. And I mean, like don't you a little bit wanna be like that? I kinda do. Okay, Um, what's interesting though is that even though he used a 19 year old as his model, he, he apologized to her later because he sized her up quite a bit. He made her bigger. And he was doing this to make her look like the portrait of Isaiah in the Sistine Chapel. So like Isaiah, she carries a heavy message. Her presence is formidable, yet gracious, hardworking, but hopeful. And I do think that she, in many ways, looks more like the Proverbs 31 woman than any of the other women we've seen. Hardworking, strong character for the sake of others. I'm, I think I'm going to get a poster of this from my office. There is another picture, though, of a Proverbs 31 woman. This is a not an image image, it's a word image because it's from scripture. So what's really interesting is in, in the Hebrew Old Testament, so if you get one that's written in Hebrew, ours are in English, the book that follows Proverbs comes right after this passage is the book of Ruth. Some of you might be familiar with that little four path, four chapter story about a Moabitess named Ruth who travels with her mother-in-law after everyone dies to her mother-in-law's town. I mean, that's valorous. And in fact, she leaves leaves her home of origin to take care of her mother-in-law. And and Ruth is a rom-com, so there's romance, and and then there's a man named Boaz, and and they marry, sorry to tell you what happens at the end of a rom-com. But Boaz, the man she marries, says to her in Ruth, the gates of the city know that you're a woman of valor can you hear how that connects to proverbs 31 in the beginning of the the poem who can find a woman of valor to the end let her works praise her in the city gates And, and city gates that 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 means all the people of the city like if we said the town square cheered right we know it was not like literally the land cheering it's all the people from the town cheering so all the people at the gates cheering and praising this woman for her, her valor. Boaz is connecting this language. And this is a, Ruth is a very important story because Ruth's grandson is David, who is an ancestor to Jesus. And so Ruth is a great, 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 I don't know how many greats, grandmother of Jesus. Ruth, by the fact that this is used to describe her top and bottom of the poem, Ruth is a valorous woman, A to Z, literally, because if you saw a Hebrew version of Proverbs 31, it is an acrostic poem. So it begin, the first line begins with the first letter of the alphabet, second line, second letter goes all the way down from Aleph to Ta, which in English would be like from A to Z. The valorous woman is the A to Z of valor, and so is Ruth, A to Z this valorous woman and who's an ancestor of Jesus. It's sort of like Ruth has looked into the face of wisdom and reflecting in the glass of the image is her own picture which comes reflected back at her. And I think that's an image for all of us to remember. We've spent this series looking at a picture of someone looking at a picture, right? But what if in the same gallery we could find an image of Lady Wisdom and there's an image of Lady Folly, don't look at her. But you you look at the picture of Lady Wisdom and see yourself reflected in the glass back at yourself. How do you look when you look at Lady Wisdom? What do you look like? That's what Ruth has done. But as we saw in the video, we can't be wise on our own. We need Jesus beside us. We need Jesus' help. We need Jesus, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so, our challenge from this text isn't primarily to imitate the woman, unless you feel called by the Spirit to start your own textile industry, or to marry her, although I will say, this is good instruction. Young men, if you marry someday, marry a woman who is hardworking, strong, and good for family and community that is way more important overall than beauty. And girls, this is a good person to emulate. This is a good model. So our challenge is for all of us to learn from her virtues. So first, how how do I work harder for the good of others? All of us have been invited to good work by God. Humans were created to work. Work happens before the fall. And so what kind of work has God invited you into this season? Whether it's caretaking or managing employees or investing wisely so you can be generous with the prophet, all of us can learn from this woman's work ethic. Second, where is Jesus inviting you to become stronger? Stronger in faith. Stronger through the pain and suffering you've experienced. Humanity is really resilient. We're not fragile. I mean, There has been some hard times culturally in the last few years, and I know some of us have had hard times in our own lives. Those hard times can lead to strength through the Lord. So it's important to work through those, not dwell in it, but work through it and move forward in strength. And then finally, we can invite others on this journey of wisdom with us. The thing is, is we saw a picture of Rosie to the Riveter. She's by herself. But she didn't rivet by herself. She needed others to crush it. That, that World War II effort was everyone together. And in many ways, that is the same call of the church. Because character formation takes place in community. So I encourage you, my friends, engage in the community of the church this fall. Feast groups are starting. Bible studies are starting. Reading groups find ways to volunteer to get to know one another and grow in character in Christ together. So let us look together at how the Father's instruction, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, becomes the woman's praise at the end, in which a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And I would say that is not exclusive to women, that's for all of us. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised A man who fears the Lord is to be praised. A child who fears the Lord is to be praised. Look in the image today of wisdom. Who or what is reflected back? Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for your promise that if any of us lack wisdom, we can ask God who gives generously and it will be given to us. May the wisdom of your spirit pour out through us in our work Whether it's with our hands, as a student, at an office, with people, healing, selling, whatever you've called us to, would you help us be wise in our work? And would you strengthen us emotionally and spiritually and physically? And would you call us together in community to be formed into the kind of women and men and children who reflect your wisdom? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And as we close, I'd like to invite the ushers up to take the offering while we sing hymn number 412, Be Thou My Vision. Take note, Be Thou My Wisdom, in one of the verses. Let's stand and sing together.